2: Hi, I'm Tane. And I'm Aide, and this is Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast.
3: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Married at First Sight, season 17, episode 15. Hey, travel lady. How you doing? I'm all right. How are you? I'm okay. I don't know if I should be happy or concerned about this mild winter that we're having. That's I mean,
2: it generally like, means that the world is coming to an end. what <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I was it's glad fine. that it wasn't too cold while I was in the area last week.
3: Yeah, you guys, for those of you who are keeping up, I saw eight in November. Wait, did I see you in November? Yes, I saw you in December twice, and now I saw you in January. And then I don't know when you're going to see me again.
2: (laughs) Yeah, everybody while I was in D.C. this week was like, when are you coming back? And I was like, I I really actually don't know. Usually I know the next one. I don't know.
3: (laughs) And then for me, I don't know when I'm in Texas. When I went in December, I hadn't been for four years. So, you know. (laughs) I'm struggling to remember. Like, did I see you in November? Probably not, honestly, <laughs> like, like I told you, I'm just like, everything is a blur to me now. I have no idea what is happening. So yeah, I don't know. Let's share some housekeeping with the people. What you got?
2: All right, people. I just want to let you know, since I am the cause of all this, that this week, we the episode will be out on regular time. Next week, the episode will be late, um, delayed, if you will. And then- <laughs> This week, we will have After Party on Patreon, uh, and also for Patreon, this we're not going to do the full episode until after the show is over, but we will be covering Traders on Patreon, which, if you are watching, it I just we covered the first season on Patreon. This second season is, I don't know if it's better, but it's equivalent. Like, I loved both of them. I think I love them equally.
3: I mean... A season that has CT. I mean, what, what what else? What else, guys? If you're new to the podcast, guys, Tane is obsessed with CT. So, you know, I was about to fight Phaedra. Phaedra was on Watch What Happened Live talking about the person she was closest to with CT. He was her castle daddy. And I was like, listen, Phaedra, I will fight you to the death. You know? Stay away. <laughs> <laughs> For this, but yeah, honestly, this season is fantastic. Like, for people who know me, like my favorite competitive reality shows is The Challenge and Survivor and The Traders is just there. It's complete now. Like it's just fantastic.
2: I think part of the reason why this season, okay, this season is better is because if you have been watching uh spoiler alert if you want to skip by. Um but these traders aren't as cohesive as the previous group of traders. The previous group of traders seemed to not turn on each other until they absolutely had to. Which, if you are game playing, is actually not good game playing. This group of traders is a little bit quicker to turn on each other.
3: Well, which scales back to the reason why it's better is because it's an even playing field where they got a bunch of gamers. And they didn't just get like regular gamers. They got like legendary gamers and Quite frankly, if you ask me, Phaedra is a gamer. But we've never gotten to see Phaedra be a gamer like this before. Says who? Okay. When okay. she was a when she was a lawyer to her convict husband. <laughs> when she was dodging and weaving and saying she doesn't know anything about it. When she didn't know when her pre- pregnancy due date was and dodging <laughs> and weaving. When she lied about candy, we have seen it. <laughs> Okay. Fair enough.
2: Fair enough. I, I don't watch any competitive reality TV anymore except for the traders. So I, I mean, I just think this is amazing. And I really, I feel bad because I think Phaedra is a demon, but I really, really enjoy her. Really, really enjoy her. She is my favorite. I'm rooting for her. Let's see how it goes.
3: I am I mean I, I cannot Deny like again I have Beef with Phaedra till forever But I cannot deny that She's great for TV Like she's just fantastic She has a way with words confessionals Are her friends but you know We'll see how this happens This
2: ends And we, and we even have a Married at First Sight connection That Trichelle, who was on Married at First Sight For like four minutes yeah. <laughs> Way back in season 10 or season 11, 11, New Orleans season, whichever it was, is also on. She's a pretty good time on the show too. Her and Janelle, I I enjoy them.
3: Yeah, that was 11. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, we'll be covering that. But also, um, I know you said the episode is late next week, but as a consolation, also on Patreon, Love is Blind.
2: After the late episode for next week, because this week will be on time, but after the late episode for next week, it will be, we will be covering Love is Blind. So you can look forward to that on Patreon.
3: Yeah. So good things ahead on Patreon. So if you're not a member and you want to listen to all this goodness, go join our Patreon.
2: All right, Tane. What is happening with all of the previous Mavs cast members?
3: I have some things, but I don't want to forget with all this talk of Phaedra. I just want to say a little... R.I.P. to my candy girl. She didn't die, y'all. She just announced that she's not going to be in Atlanta anymore. And I'm not as sad as I think or thought I was going to be because I think it's time. It is time and it's on ice. What I'm more sad about is the fact that we don't know where Atlanta is headed. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't want it to go down like New York did. And that scares me.
2: I, too. I, too. RIP Candy. But yes, I am less sad than I thought I would be. Um, I think mainly, first off, she didn't get fired. Um, (laughs) And I think that's important to my happiness. Yep. Secondly, the fact that she came to that conclusion herself. I did wonder if she came to that conclusion after a conversation. Um, But I'm hoping that she truly left on her own terms. And if, with the current cast that we have of Atlanta, as much as I love them all,
3: I'm okay if they do the same thing to Atlanta
2: that they did to New York.
3: Okay. So one, she did have a conversation with a friend because she was telling Mark Malking from Variety. It was a conversation, but I think what pushed it more was the fact that there's no direction. She has things to do. I'm not going to sit on ice. And her friend was like, why are you doing this show? And she's like, oh, that's true. She has outgrown the show. So I think it's a combination of her coming to her, like, realization like there's bigger and better things like you could just do things that you want to do last season she was really checked out what i will not stand for is people saying candy has been boring candy brings nothing to the show last season i will say this yes she was checked out but last season is a result of just the cast is not getting along but candy has brought a lot to the show so let's just give her her kudos her flowers and i wish her all of the best and i just didn't want to forget all that but yeah Okay, back to maths. Um, a Johnny from Houston is engaged to his girlfriend. Um, that's Johnny. For those who forgot, that was married to Bao. So, congratulations, Johnny! I believe on this show we said he would never meet anyone. But uh, you know, <laughs> what do we know? What do we know? <laughs> Reddit was like
2: everybody on Reddit. At least the comments I saw was, were just, "Who decided to marry this human?" Which I thought was mean. But based on what we saw on the shoe, it's a, is a fair observation. I'm, I said it.
3: I hope he's grown, so you know. Yeah. Um, we, okay, me more so than you, I'm so bothered by this wearing pink and not telling us what it's about. And I saw on Mass Fan page where she mentioned that Chloe is not going to be wearing pink. And that she isn't friends with the other girls and all that. I don't know how true that is because in her first appearance, she did wear pink. So if it is true and they had a fight, so it must have happened afterwards. Now, what could have been the cause of the fight? What is the issue? I don't know. But, you know, again, if anyone has the tea, I really would like to know. But all I'm really, really just annoyed by is I want to know why they're wearing pink. And then secondary to that is why Chloe isn't wearing the pink.
2: I mean, I would like to know both those things. This week's after party, she did not wear the pink. So it's pretty solidified. She's not doing it, I think. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Um, I would say (laughs) we will do our separate episode on after party on Patreon. Please go check it out. But based on the way Emily was talking to her, I could understand why she wouldn't want to be part of that group. Okay.
3: Honestly, Emily has beef with everybody. Because uh I... <laughs> it's not a Chloe thing. Not quite <laughs> what's, going... what's going on, but uh yeah. Um the gang gathered for Kirsten's birthday. It was like a bowling um type situation. So happy birthday, Kirsten. Where and... does Kirsten live again? Oh, okay, that's great. The
2: gang gathered. Who was anybody missing but Shaq there? No, he doesn't live in
3: where are they again? Nashville. That's That's real. Sorry. Sorry, super <laughs> sorry. They're not um he doesn't live in Nashville anymore, so he wasn't there. I think Chris and Nicole was there. I um Clint was there also and I think Ares, you guys don't quote me, but the gang was there. Um for those who care, Jeffy and Shanice are still doing great. Jeffy just had a birthday. Shanice reached him happy birthday. And thanked him for doing all the silly things and going along with her things. So happy birthday to Jeffy! and I'm so glad that they're doing well. And Anthony from the original Chicago season had a quote. He said, let's be honest. When you get married at first sight, divorce is an option. It's one of the components of the show. If it doesn't work out in eight weeks, you can get a divorce. The issue that I'm seeing is seeing couples quitting before they even give it a chance. Thoughts?
2: Hmm. That is very true. Very, very true. But this is the the central and main theme of maths. When we sit through a season like Nashville, where Eris and Jasmine were clearly dead on arrival from the honeymoon on, There was really nothing pleasant about watching that. And nothing could have changed about their relationship. They weren't bad people, neither one of them. They weren't uninterested in being married. Maybe Eris was. But I I don't see one as right or wrong. Either you quit early because you know it's wrong, or we all sit there and suffer for eight weeks so we can have a TV show.
3: I don't fault people for either one
2: of those choices.
3: I think you can go through the eight weeks without making it unpleasant. Like, For now, we don't know where Austin stands, but let's say Austin is having doubts. Okay, I I was about to say he's still making it kind of pleasant, but I think Becca would disagree, so I don't know. But, I mean, you get what I mean. He's not making it, like, so bad, like, Brennan or something. Like, it's still, like, friendly to watch. But then again, I think Gina and Clint did that, and that was still painful to watch. (laughs) So, okay, I have no point. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Um. Okay. so last episode, Aiden and I kept going on and on about this clinking glasses thing. And one of our listeners, hi, Jendal Dweller, was like, you guys just put up a poll and just end it. So we did. We did one on Instagram and we did one on Twitter. And it was so funny because both had the same exact results. 84% of people were like, they knew about it before Mavs. So
2: I, I accept my defeat very gracefully. I don't think I'm even that surprised to be this wrong, <laughs> and I'm glad that there's now scientific proof of my wrongness. <laughs> also, that is a Twitter poll, you know,
3: scientific proof, same thing. <laughs> so we will never bring it up again because oh, sure. was like, "You guys crack me up when you bring this up and all that," but it is settled now. So thank you. Okay, that's all I got for the updates, but I have two questions from our listener the first question is from danielle danielle says i am listening to the episode and i just had a thought do you think that since becca is so sex positive and vocal about sex which was talked about a lot early on and austin had a religious upbringing that becca's experience may be intimidating to austin Austin may not have a lot of sexual experience and he's afraid that his inexperience will be telegraphed on national television. I think he's into her, but he may be really intimidated and thinks he won't know how to please her. He was perplexed by the conversation about foreplay, so maybe he's not very familiar? Just a thought. What do you ladies think? What do you think, Aid?
2: I think that that is the most. That is the 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 scenario that I hope the most for, because it really means that it's all about Austin and has really actually nothing to do with Becca.
3: However,
2: I don't really think that's it.
3: What do you think? <laughs> so when I first saw the question, my first thought was like, eh, he knew what he was signing up for. He was gonna be on the show. He may or may not, you know what, maybe he already decided that regardless of who it was, he was not going to have sex. So he had to have known and he was coming. If he's that concerned about that, then don't come on national TV. But then I sat with it a little and just thinking back on um, Austin's reactions to some sex related conversations and things. I don't think it's not, not a factor, but like you, I just think there's something deeper because becca is not she's a compassionate person even if that's the case then communicate that with her or tell her you don't want us to talk about it do what all the other maps couples do they have sex and they don't tell us so like you don't even have to talk about it and then you can work through the things so even if let's say let's let's hypothetically say that that's the situation i would hope that their comfort level is at a place where he could talk to her freely and just be like hey this this or whatever and then just don't overthink it. And then if that's the case, you would have told her. So she has some kind of reassurance and then she can reassure him in turn. So it's not impossible, but I just think that there's something deeper than that. Okay. Well, thank you, Danielle, for that question. And the other question we got, not quite sure related, but it's from Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. She's like, hey, friends, have you watched The Curious Case of Natalia Grace? Max recommended it to me after I watched that cult documentary you mentioned. Um, It was Love Has Won. Anyways, would love your thoughts on Natalia Grace. If you haven't gone there yet, it's a commitment, but damn. Have you watched it, Abe? I have not. Okay. I watched the first part. I, there's a sequel that I haven't watched, and everyone keeps saying that there's like a huge twist at the end, and it's insane. It's about a girl that was adopted from either Ukraine or Russia, and they just didn't know how old she was. She's like, they, because she's kind of like a little person, but she's also disabled, so they didn't know if she was six years old or if she was twenty one, and there was a whole back and forth. And then when she was committed to a hospital because she was doing like scary things to the family um some of the doctors said they saw pubic hair and then she was trying to come on to the people so it's just a hot mess and then the dad keeps going back and forth so they don't know if they were like abandonment or not but since you haven't watched it i'm not gonna spoil it but the answer is yes and no i haven't watched the other part of it so i will try and watch the other part of it but i would recommend the first part if you haven't watched it
2: I might. I went down a Gypsy Rose <clears throat> rabbit hole a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I ended up watching. I didn't watch the act because I don't really care for a fictionalized version. But yeah. I watched the Gypsy Rose documentary. I watched another Gypsy Rose documentary. Then I watched the Lifetime six part Gypsy Rose prison Gypsy Rose prison tapes. Um, what? Really? <laughs> I really did. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but I'm done with her
3: now. <laughs> I'm not interested anymore. Okay Did you watch
2: the Gypsy Rose stuff?
3: No, I'm over it I did back then when the act came out And I was in it and all that And when she came out, I was like, yeah, I'm good
2: So part of the Gypsy Rose thing Is that I am now in a true crime Like rabbit hole like I don't listen to any of my Bravo podcasts or my reality TV podcasts anymore. I just listen to the Dateline, a date with Dateline, and Sisters Who Kill. I think Sisters Who Kill is like the best podcast ever. My boss recommended it to me, then I will recommend it to anybody who will listen to me talk these days. I'm like, listen to Sisters Who Kill. It's so good. Um, <laughs> if you need like a starting point with Sisters Who Kill, I especially enjoyed the Brittany Northwood one. Um, she was the Lulamon killer because I remember that case because it was in the D.C. area when I lived in D.C. But at, all of their podcasts are really, really good. So Sisters Who Kill, that's my recommendation.
3: I might give that a give that a shot. I've gotten to the point where at the gym I don't listen to music anymore. I just listen to books or podcasts. So, you know, I might give that a word. Um, so before we get into the episode, um, I just wanted to say for those who watch Married at First Side Australia, the new season is back. Um, as always, I watch through creative ways. So if you're watching through that, I don't know when Lifetime is going to have the season, but as usual, it's a, it's a blast. I will say a, the reason why Maps Australia works is that they know what they are. They're not trying to be anything else. They know that, not that they're a joke. But they know that they don't take this seriously from the marriage not being real. But, but it's like, if they don't take it seriously, how are you taking it seriously? Because I don't know how they find it. That's what I was going to get into. If like We've been talking about how MAPS US needs to have like a little change. And if they're looking for inspiration, they don't need to look far. And they just need to look at MAPS. Because for one thing, the weddings and the things and all that is one day. We just get one day. We don't get no dress shopping, no family this or whatever. It doesn't take forever to just do that. But most importantly, the experts give them exactly what they ask for. So it gives them a good starting point. Like when they're there, they find out their similarities at the altar and they're so excited. Very rarely do we see, oh, I'm not attracted to them. Like we see that, but I'm just saying more often than not in the beginning, they're attracted to each other. And that gives them a good um, starting point. But I can take it seriously because that's what reality shows are, I guess. Like, to me, everyone just wants to be an influencer now. But, like, in this season, we have, like, someone that's 62. So we have, like, different age ranges of people. And watching their marriage is completely different from the young ones. And then we have someone's brother who's done it before on MAPS. And they have his brother now doing it this year. And then we have someone who... They asked him, the producer asked him, Are you here for genuine reasons? And he flat out said, I don't know, I think so. And he said, I have a podcast. I have a podcast. <laughs> I don't have that many followers, but. <laughs> and then the Maybe family- I can get some more. <laughs> exactly. The, fa- here. <laughs> the family said, Are you here just to boost your numbers? They were like, Yeah, if it happens, that would be great. And then if I fall in love, that would be great too. He was like, So you're here for both? He was like, Yeah, kind of like a mix of both. So that's what I mean by they're just honest. <laughs> Like, being falling in love is the icing on the cake for them. And they're just honest about it. So you just watch with that. So they're not pretending to be something they're not. (laughs) All right. We will be right back to get into this episode.
2: Life doesn't happen biweekly, so why should payday? The money you make can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. Summer is coming and it is time for all of us to go on vacation. You can use the money you earn from EarnIn to buy a new bathing suit or some new clothes for your fun summer vacation.
3: Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in call on the podcast. When you sign up, it'll really help the show. That's All to call on the podcast. Subject to your available earnings location, daily max and pay period max. See earnin.com TOS for details. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. If you're like me and looking to cut back on alcohol this year, Recess Zero-Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. They've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like their Ginger Lime Mule and Grapefruit Paloma, which happen to be my favorites. You can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. Zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% of the Recess mocktail sampler at takearecess.com slash M-A-F-S.
2: You guys know I don't drink very much, so Recess is a great substitute while everybody else imbibes. It's a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients like uplifting guayusa and stress-balancing adaptogens. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make Recess mocktails your drink between drinks or your forever mocktail. Get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash altar call M-A-F-S so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences.
3: Ladies, you know that vicious week before your period where you feel like you want to crawl out of your skin, you feel a little bit down or off and those cravings when you feel like you could eat anything in sight? Well, there's a solution for that. Now it's easier to manage your PMS with Estro Control you have to try Hormone Harmony.
2: Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. And it shows. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code altercallmaths at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S for 15% off today. All right, everybody. So this episode, episode 15, we start where we left off last week with Chloe and Michael. It's the day after their wedding. They're in bed. They're cuddling. They talk about cuddling. They seem to be getting along really, really well. Then they start talking about her panic attacks that she apparently has in the middle of the night. I don't, the interesting thing is I'm like, I don't really consider I, like the clinical definition of panic attacks. I don't think that's what that is. Um, but Michael does an imitation of her basically like waking up in the middle of the night, looking like she's ready to flee or that like, I don't know, something is after her. It was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, they talk about how that happened four times in the middle of the night. He seemed pretty chill about it. She seemed pretty chill about it, to be honest. Um, But she says, like, this is something she's dealt with for years. Like, if something very stressful is going on, she's going to, like, just have these middle-of-the-night panic attacks. Um, I I, will say her pajamas were really cute. I liked them.
3: It was just, like, good to see she woke up in pajamas because she slept in a robe. So um, at first I thought they were joking about the panic attacks. I I didn't know they were serious because I was, like, how do you have a panic attack when you're sleeping? So that is the first I'm hearing of that. So that was interesting for me. I didn't know that that was possible. I I, I thought they were more like
2: night terrible. nightmares. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He asked what she thought of the first night, um, and she's like, she's never thinking of when the other shoe was going to drop with him that he's too loved, and I guess she saw that at the wedding with his friends, and that people who are as loved as he is must have genuineness and authenticity to them. Oh. She also says that the one thing they can always share is touch, and that signifies that they're together and committed. So she says, please touch me, and then he kisses her hand. I must say, I just think they're so darn cute. I'm going to try really hard to stop saying it over and over again when we talk about them, but I <laughs> I, I, I need hope in my life, so I'm just clinging on to them, okay?
3: Okay. <laughs> And as T-Mob pointed out on our Twitter, like, they're the ones that are giving us the most, uh, PDA, (laughs) physical (laughs) (laughs) touch, and they just got married, and we have other couples who are barely even
2: speaking. I'm surprised T-Mob had to point it out to you, of all people. We flashed to Becca and Austin. The screen says 18 days till decision day, and I'm like, dang, we are close! Yeah. Becca and Austin have some really high-quality selfie video. Um... We see they went to Philadelphia, so they say they're at a house that was owned by George Washington, but Hamilton went there. And Becca's really excited because she's obsessed with Hamilton. <laughs> you know, I like Hamilton the musical. I actually read Hamilton the book and greatly enjoyed it. And based on those two experiences, I'm like, people are actually obsessed with like Hamilton, the real Hamilton, based on that. Interesting. <laughs>
3: I was just going to say, I didn't know it was Philadelphia. I thought they went to Pennsylvania, but I didn't know exactly. I, my, I must have missed that it was Philly. But I was going to say, I can't believe a crew followed them. Like, MAFS is stepping up until we saw that it was cell phone footage. And I was like, okay, let's tra- this tracks. <laughs> but it was
2: high-quality
3: selfie footage. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so, back to Michael and Chloe. They got their basket with their stuff. We didn't actually see them get the basket, but she's wearing a wifey t-shirt. There's a wifey hat. They're ready to honeymoon. Um, He says in an interview that he was worried about second fiddle or second place feelings from her, but it seems okay. He says that they have good chemistry and they want to ride that momentum, but he does have like a little bit of worriedness because even if he does everything perfect, 50% of this experience is on her. She tells us again that she's a minimalist. She's about to run out of time so she can say minimalist without me being annoyed. (laughs) Um, I mean, but you would feel like a minimalist if you go on a trip with a man who has six bags. (laughs) She's like, all the clothes I own would fit into the six bags that he's bringing on this trip. And like, he still has another half, I guess, of this back home. But she doesn't seem to be freaking out about it. She just seems to be, it's like an observation. She seemed amused by it. Exactly. (laughs) I guess my philosophy would be, if I don't have to carry the six bags, go ahead, bring six bags. (laughs) I'm an overpacker, so I wouldn't say shit. (laughs) I'm an overpacker. I've never taken six bags anywhere.
3: Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh, I missed the six bags part. I, I didn't see that he took six bags. Now
2: that I think about it, she just said all the clothes she owned would fit into six bags. So maybe he didn't bring six bags. She was just saying everything I own would fit into six bags. And he has like three. Anyway, he brought a lot of stuff. Emily and Brennan are doing exercises. I truly believe every time they're on the screen, it's torture for everybody involved. For them, for us, whoever had to edit this, whoever was in the room with them at the time. Just torture. Um... They're supposed to be using this talking stick Um, and they kick off their discussion talking about trust and what does trust mean to Emily? She says, trust is the foundation of everything relationships and friendships. Brennan says that he cares and he wants her in his life and he's trying. Um, I am not really laughing, but like laughing when he says that he's trying to make sure that she doesn't exit his life. And I'm like, in what ways
3: are you trying I said, does he really believe the words he's saying? I sure don't. Because that's a bigger problem. Do you think he believes the words he's saying? I don't know. I can't tell with Brennan. I can't read
2: Brennan. I I would agree. He's hard to read. Emily says that she cares a lot, but she's semi-losing herself on the way, and she's putting up with stuff. She's not being treated in a way she deserves. She cares, so she still gets emotional, but that the caring is not always healthy for her. Brennan says that they are blurring the line between friendship and their relationship, that they're friendly and they're not overstepping. He says that they've done a good job of showcasing their friendship. Showcasing to who? (laughs) To the cameras? To each other? She says that they have different expectations of friends and she doesn't feel he treats her as a friend. I am very focused on who is wa- holding the talking stick during this conversation because they do have a back and forth. But at one point she is holding the talking stick and he interrupts her, which defeats the purpose
3: of the talking stick. Yep. She's like, no interruption. And there he goes. Just no, no regard. And then he says, are you sure you want to do
2: this? Which sure does sound vaguely threatening to me. And and that was specifically in her talking about how he treats her. And he says, well, she says, you don't even, like, treat me like a friend. And and he says, well, to tell him specifically, like, what did he do? And she's like, last night at the wedding. Didn't feel like you wanted to hang out with me. Hurts my feelings. And this is the part where Emily doesn't make a great cry. She says, when it doesn't look like we're friends on the outside. And I'm not sure if she's bringing that up because she knows he's obsessed with how things look. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't understand the point of saying, well, other people are saying that you're not being friendly to me.
3: That was odd. It was odd, but I think she should have just followed up with she agrees. You're right. That was odd. She should just stuck to what she thought because every other people are going to have opinions. But I, I I'm leaning towards what you just said. He's obsessed with how people see things. So maybe she thought that would hit him harder.
2: Yeah, I I think that's where that came from. She's like, well, he really cares what other people think, so let me throw that in there. And then she said closer friends, and I was like, y'all have been a couple for, like, five weeks, maybe? Y'all don't have closer friends. All you have is your fellow castmates, so that's what you're talking about.
3: Yep.
2: He says that they need time to continue to move forward in the right direction, blah. I mean, he might have just as well said blah, blah, blah. Um... (laughs) Emily says that she can't get upset and she just has, she should have no expectations because what, I mean, what else she's supposed to do. Then we have a Chloe selfie cam. She and Michael are headed to the honeymoon. He's sleeping on her like they have been together forever. Um, And they're going to the Cheyenne mountain resort, which is in Colorado Springs which is not that far away from Denver. I feel a little bad that they're not getting like a nicer
3: honeymoon. It also seems to have lasted like two days. Also, okay, I'm sure there's more to the logistics, and I really wanted Keisha to ask this an after party, but she didn't. Why couldn't they fly out? They're not trying to catch them up and jumping way ahead. Next week in the couple's retreat, they're not there. So... Why? Why couldn't they just have gotten an actual honeymoon?
2: This people, they better, they better send them on a nice honeymoon if they make it.
3: Yeah, they are owed. It also made sense because when they were packing, I'm like, "Where are they going? Why is he packing sweaters?" But then I found out it was Colorado Springs. Something <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs>
2: They have a very nice suite at the Cheyenne Mountain Resort. I didn't have
3: time to look up how much this place is, but I will, because it did look like a place that I would want to go. Um, I did look it up. I didn't look up how much. I just looked up the activities, but it's just like nice packaging, I guess. It just didn't look like... I looked at it and I was like, eh.
2: You have to explain to our audience who may not know what packaging
3: is. No, in this sense, I do mean it not in the Nigerian sense. I mean, like, it has a nice presentation, but it's just nice on the outside. But I don't think there was enough meat in the bones for me to pique my interest.
2: So after we see them sort of like, you know, arrive at their honeymoon, we go to Emily and Claire, who are having a little girl gab with it looks like tea. Um, Claire updates on Cam. At this point, I do feel sorry for Claire that she has to continue to film. Because I do think part of the math deal is even after your relationship is over, like they say, you can end the relationship, but you have to be available to film. So Claire just keeps on showing up and saying things that make her seem like the most annoying woman on earth. (laughs) So she, you know, Claire, every time she comes on, she's like, I feel bad. I don't know what that is. She needs to go work that out in therapy, but she's like, she feels bad because she doesn't want to be too happy because it appears that Cam has been sleeping for a week to recover from his surgery <laughs> and he's having a hard time. Emily, voice of reason says there's only so much you can do. Um,
3: He's not sleeping. He's ignoring her. <laughs> I'm well, sure he's sleeping too. He had surgery. He's ignoring her. (laughs) I have had had many surgeries. I slept. I did not sleep that much where I could not communicate with someone. She's like, I haven't heard from him. He's sleeping. Nah, girl. (laughs) He's like, leave me alone.
2: (laughs) Emily and Claire basically have, you know, the same conversation they always seem to have about how things are not going great with Brennan because Brennan really hates Emily. That's my opinion. Claire does mention that he nitpicks what she says and he's silencing her and it doesn't seem to be a friendship. And yeah, Emily said that she was fine being by herself for a long time. And I'm like, maybe you should head back there because it seems to be better than whatever you have going on with Brennan.
3: They kept talking over each other. And it's very interesting. We always say After Party and this show is two different shows because this conversation seemed friendly enough and then we go to After Party and Emily seems to be mad about it. Check out our After Party episode
2: (laughs) for my thoughts on that. Okay. So Chloe and Michael, they're going on an adventure. They show us zip lining, so I thought they were going zip lining, um, but they're not. Like so, they they go and she's like, "I'm really scared of heights." That's why I also thought it was zip lining. Um, and they have to put on harnesses and helmets and whatnot. But it appears they're like hiking slash climbing. But Thank she cool. says she's never been up this high. But before she mentioned something about liking climbing, so I was a little bit confused. Maybe she just climbs at the gym and it's different. I don't know. Well, um
3: interesting that the guide asked them, What brought you out here? <laughs> you just bought the cameras? They didn't prep you, you didn't sign anything? <laughs> it felt very 90 day fiance.
2: Where everywhere you go, you gotta tell people. <laughs> 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 My fiance's from another country.
3: <laughs> oh, love after lockup. My fiance was in prison, he just got <laughs> out. I was like, you just go around telling people that. <laughs>
2: Because even when they said they were on the honeymoon, I'm like, you're going to tell this bed is married at first sight? <laughs> <laughs> so they climb. And she says that afterwards, she's like, it was so scary. But she feels good that she went out of her comfort zone. And that he prioritized her and made her feel safe. And then she hugs and kisses him and says she never wants to do that again. <laughs> then they have a discussion about what he's scared of. He says he has a healthy respect of the ocean. I, he still gets in, but I think he just is a little bit scared of it, but it used to be worse. And he's scared of roller coasters, but he still does them. Um, but those are the only things he can think of that could rival her fears. So Michael asks how he can be supportive, and she's like, it's such a good question, but she never asked for help. And
3: I didn't really understand what she said. Do you understand? You didn't understand her saying that she's been alone for so long, so she doesn't really ask for help? I think I understood
2: that part. But was she saying that she was going to ask him for help or that she was going to have to learn how to ask him for help? I
3: think I was just a little unclear. Oh, I think it was just a case of she's going to have to get used to that because she hasn't done it for so long. So it's going to be odd to just have somebody in and, you know, ask for help now. Okay. So then we see
2: Emily Hardcore getting ready. <laughs> And I must admit, it's sort of noted on that she's like, really, I won't say overdressed because she's not overdressed, but Pastor Cal is coming over um, to talk to her and Brennan. Um, And as she's getting ready, she tells us she doesn't know what makes him uneasy, but she's walking on eggshells.
3: I feel like I could feel the tension with a knife before Pastor Cal even came. It was just, oof. what are we going to get today? That is how they roll. I'm glad they said Pastor Cal, though. I'm just,
2: we'll we'll talk about the conversation. But Pastor Cal, he comments upon Emily and like, you look very nice. Um, (laughs) He sits him down. He asks if they're happy. Later on in the episode, Becca and Austin sit down with Dr. Pia. So questions abound about why different people get different experts.
3: Um, I think they're just switching it around. I mean, they've gotten Dr. Pia for like the last two, and maybe they've caught the hint that Brennan doesn't like her. I do feel like Brennan is more relaxed with Pascal. I'm not going to infer anything on him, but he he seems to respect Pascal. So it's different. I think they're just rotating except Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is chilling. She's tenured, so I don't know. She gets to chill.
2: <laughs> I don't want to make assumptions, but earlier in the season, there was two examples where a woman... Oh, it was Emily's friends. So Emily's friends ch- challenged Brennan and he got a little uh. And then Dr. Pia challenged Brennan and he got a little uh. And so now they send him Pastor Cal, and he doesn't do any of that. Um, I am sensing a pattern, which is why I would like to see Dr. Pepper to see if he gets a little, uh, with because I think Brennan, uh, I'm leaning towards Brennan may have some issues with women and authority.
3: Okay, so we're going to keep an eye out for that. So we hope that they get Dr. Pepper. I wonder if they're going to do that um, secret thing they did last se- uh in San Diego, where they just come out and say, we've been watching you guys. You said this. I don't know. They did that in uh- Boston.
2: I never enjoyed that. And so I'm going to hope that they don't do that.
3: I like it. I want it. (laughs) So Pastor Cal asked if they're happily.
2: And Emily says that she is, which is such a lie. Why? Why did she say that? If she wasn't happy, she would leave. Which I don't mind the lie. I think we all lie to ourselves about these things all the time. Um, But I don't know why she's still here. And I don't believe for one second that she's happy. (laughs) She basically goes on a spiel where she's like, I respect what he needs. And I'm glad to let him do whatever. But that she wants a husband, not a friend. Pastor Cal says you are looking at each other as buddies. I don't even think they're doing that. Uh That's not why you're here. Then he makes them watch each other's like interviews from when they were cast. I didn't really understand this exercise. Honestly, Emily's was like not really anything. But Brennan, he says that he watched the show, he's coachable, he wants to get better at relationships, and he thinks this is an
3: opportunity to do so. So I think showing them their interviews was a good move. Because it gets to a point where, like you said, if you lie to yourself, if you say certain things, you can't, uh, the words that came out of your mouth can't lie. So Brennan admitting that he's watched the show kind of answers my question and how he made the cut. So he just kind of like emulated what he thinks would get him to make the cut and he wasn't being his authentic self. And nothing about him himself in the interview is the same as now, except wearing the same shirt on the same day. And for Emily, I think she was pretty consistent. And I think she was actually being genuine with her answers. So I think it was good for them to just see that in their own words without actually saying something that would make him feel like they're being accusi- accusatory.
2: What I also liked about hearing that Brennan has watched the show is that the minute he realized that he didn't like Emily, he's his main concern was thinking back to all the seasons he's watched where mm-hmm. people have been assholes because they didn't like a person. Mm-hmm. I mean, clearly he didn't study enough. <laughs> because mm-hmm. he's not coming off great. But mm-hmm. this obsession with how things look comes from watching the show.
3: Yeah. I I think the oddest thing was, I think he described himself as loving, affectionate, and communicative. Communicative. That was the one that really got me. Like, if I'm not mistaken, I think his friends said that he doesn't communicate <laughs> in the very beginning. And he even said it because he was like their his parents... They weren't the best communicators, and he thinks that's affected his relationship. So, sir, have a seat. Several of them.
2: So, the conversation with Pastor Cal continues, and really, I didn't enjoy it very much. Because it comes back to the same thing of Emily basically saying, well, we're just walking around on eggshells to make sure Brandon doesn't get upset, respecting his so-called boundaries. If you recall, Allie said his boundaries are that he just doesn't want to hang out with her. (laughs) Um, and Pastor Cal sort of tells him it's not supposed to be friends at first sight. I think what frustrated me about this whole friends thing is I don't think the friends thing is their problem. I think the basic like decency and respect that he does not show her is their problem. So I don't know why we're having a discussion about friendship.
3: I don't know. I don't know what they think they can do in 18 days or less now to force, if they're not there now, I don't think we've seen anyone do a U-turn at this stage in the game. So, like, you said, I'm agreeing with you, like, so then the focus should be at least respecting her.
2: So, yeah, I mean, glad Pastor Cal came, but this, I mean, they're dead on arrival. I think all I'm waiting for is them to have an actual big blow up instead of sort of the passive aggressiveness that, like, is their norm.
3: Well, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? Because, what, next week is the accident and you can't, I, you can't really be mean to someone that's injured
2: or oh, am I we'll hoping? See. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> we'll see. All right, guys, we'll be right back.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done
4: what's the easiest choice you can make window instead of middle seat picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket outsourcing business tasks you hate what about selling with shopify
3: And we are back with, once again, Chloe and Michael because they're playing catch-up. So they're having some food and wine and Michael asks um, about her growing up in Santa Fe. She says she grew up there from when she was nine to 17. Then she lived in Albuquerque. Um, she says it was culturally diverse and that's how she views life, that she accepts people from different work, walks of life. And then she asked him if there was diversity where he grew up in Anaheim. He says, well, his mom being Filipino and his dad being Greek, that the Filipino food is unique and that's what he was used to. And it wasn't until he started going to other people's houses that he realized that there were differences in there. So she asked him if he identifies more with the Filipino side or the Greek side. He said growing up, he would have definitely said the Filipino side because that's what he was exposed to more. But now he has a healthy exposure to both, especially after his dad died. I just want to, you know, I'll continue. But I just wanted to stop to say, like, I just really enjoyed this conversation (laughs) because it was refreshing. It wasn't, do you like to party? (laughs) What is your sexual position? What is your, like, it was like really like, how was it? Were you exposed to diversity? Do you identify with, you know, the Filipino? Because this is a question, like, once I realized that he was half Asian, I actually didn't know specifically where he was from. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm learning more about Michael. It's almost like I'm learning more about them as they're learning about each other, which is nice.
2: This is what happens when you have people in their late 30s,
0: <laughs> actual you know. grown
3: ups, talking <laughs> about grown up things. It's lovely. <laughs> So Michael says his mom and sister are in Vegas, and they're pretty much best friends. And Chloe says that she's looking forward to meeting them. And do they know about his wedding? And Michael says, ever so casually, like, yeah, um, my mom doesn't know. Even I was taken aback, <laughs> I was like, what? Because remember, we're asking, where are the parents at the wedding? He says he told her what happened the first time, and even the first time when he told her about it, she's like, why would you go this route? And that's something that's, and then when it didn't work out, that's something that's still fresh in her mind. So she doesn't know yet, but he told his sister, but told his sister not to tell the mom. He said his mom didn't understand the process and he didn't think it was a good idea to let her know. Um, Chloe says like, I mean, that's normal for her to not understand and to know all that. But Michael says that he's double downing that as they progress, most of her concerns will evaporate. And he just wants to make it clear that he isn't hiding her, but to trust him on the best time to tell his mom. And Chloe's not freaking out. Chloe's not like, this is not a red flag, blah, blah. She's not anything like that. She's just like, okay, I'm riding with you.
2: They did try to make it seem like Chloe was upset about what he was telling her, but they didn't ever show both of their faces in the same shot. They kept on showing reaction shots of her, which is why I didn't really believe it. Yeah. And I totally agree with his decision. Yep. His mom, it sounds like, was already like, what the hell are you doing? And then it didn't work out. And he had to tell her it didn't work out. Then he's like, I'm going to do it again. Let me not tell her this time until it actually works out. And I agree with this decision making.
3: Yeah. I mean, this is someone who's already not on board. Why would you burden her with the fact that you did this again? And then if it doesn't work out, she has to deal with it twice. Nope. I agree. So we move to Austin and Becca. They are back home, and they talk about the pending Dr. Pia visit tomorrow. Austin is like, tentatively, he's like, you aren't going to drop any bombs on me, are you? And Becca's like, like what? So he says, you know, physical intimacy is still something they're working on, but they didn't have time, but they have taken the advice that she gave. Um, Becca says... Um, Dr. Pia says that you make time for what you want, and then Austin goes on and on about cats and lungs and nasal passages and allergies, and Becca tells us that it's difficult to continue to initiate and keep getting rejected. Um, I almost feel like we're not getting Becca's full reaction mm -mm, to it, so she smiles and nods and then Possibly goes to tell Emily everything, and we're not knowing where she stands, or on a scale of 1 to 10, how pissed she is. She's showing us a 4, but it looks like it's a 9.
2: The whole, like, his long, long soliloquy about the cat and the allergies, for some reason I was like, I think you should stop talking. I think you should stop talking.
3: Yeah, because... It's a valid reason, but the way he sounded, it sounded like when you have a reason and then you exaggerate it to make a point, like, no, really, I promise, this was it. And it was just like, (laughs) "Eh, just stop. So Chloe and Michael go get a massage, and Michael said he doesn't feel uncomfortable just, you know, being semi-nude and getting a massage. Chloe says that she has never dated a man that has tattoos and she loves his hair and his curls. Well, which, based on his previous visits and after party, he's cut it now. But he said that he likes her eyes, her smile, her lips. You know, for me, this was just too much talking during a massage. Like, massages are one of my favorite things to do in this world. And I can't imagine that much talking going on while I'm getting a massage. Sorry.
2: I was a little shocked by she's never dated anybody with tattoos. I was like, experts, strike again. You got lucky here because, yeah, Michael's tattoos are extensive. I felt like, yeah, but that was a gamble.
3: Devil's advocate, never dating a man with tattoos doesn't mean you're opposed to it. You could have just aligned that way. that You just Definitely. never dated a man with tattoos.
2: But usually the experts are aiming for, they're like, we look at pictures of your previous partners. So if she's never dated anybody with tattoos before, and you got Michael who, like, has neck tattoos, I feel like that's a, a jump, if you will.
0: Uh,
3: okay. So the masseuse asks him, like, if they'd like to massage each other, and Chloe tells Michael, come on, come massage me. And that is something that Chloe is doing really well. I will give her that. She is not going to be like in a situation where like Cameron doesn't know where Claire stands or Claire doesn't know where Cameron stands. She's very inviting of Michael. She's like touch me. She's like kiss me. She's like come massage me. And I think that is a plus for their relationship. I just want them to work so bad. <laughs> hey, you are getting sucked in. It's mouths. He tells her that he didn't expect them to have such initial chemistry. Okay. We'll take a break and come back for the rest of the episode. And we're back. So Emily has a conversation. It's a video call with her friend Mackenzie. So her friend is like, what is going on? Like, I have an idea of what is going on, but your texts are like so cryptic. And I see someone walk behind Emily and I'm was like, a dog. no, it was a person. It was a person and with I, a dog, a big oh, with dog. Yeah. And I'm like, is she taking a call without headphones in a public place? <laughs> like one of my pet peeves is people in public places, just listening to videos, doing things without headphones. And I'm like, how? I mean, I guess they're going to see all the cameras around her, but I just thought that was strange. Um, so Emily says that after Pascal it's making her feel more confused on where they stand. Um, She tells us that her friend knows her better than herself, so she just wants to have this conversation to get some clarity. Kenzie, which is what she calls her all the time, says that she has a hard time understanding where he's coming from because it doesn't make any sense. Emily says she thinks that he thought she thinks that he thinks that he thought it would be a walk in the park. And she says, like, you know, and then the friend is like, OK, what is it that you even like about this guy? She's like, oh, we have fun together. We have to same values. And her friend says, I mean, you're brutally honest. And, you know, you need someone to bring her down to earth. And then Emily says that she is honest, but she doesn't think he has had people call him out that all the expert visits have been heavy and things took a turn for the worse with Dr. Pia, that she felt that it was her opportunity to answer her questions that she was being asked. And somehow she ended up breaking his trust. And Mackenzie is like, "Uh, okay, like that's a load of crock and he's a master manipulator. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mackenzie is like, at what point do you say enough is enough? And then Emily says, well, that she doesn't know. She doesn't know why she cares about this motherfucker. And she doesn't even know if he cares about her. She says he hurts her feelings, how he treats her. And Mackenzie is like, you need to speak up for yourself and draw a line for the things that you won't tolerate. Emily says she is struggling with what her boundaries are since he already made his, which um, reminder from Allie is that he just doesn't want to deal with her. And Kenzie says that he acts like it's the Brennan show. He's acting like he was kidnapped and he's like, you're trying to make me fall in love with you. <laughs> and Mackenzie was like, funny. that's funny. She's like... <laughs> um, and then Emily's like, she's at a loss and she wants to see if they can save the marriage, but it's hard when you're with someone who doesn't want to look bad on camera. Mackenzie's like, you know, whatever you decide, I support whatever you do, but personally I think you should run for the hills. <laughs>
2: Oh, Mackenzie, I like you. I wish you would have said run for the hills today. Like, don't wait till decision day to run for the hills. Like, do it right now.
3: I think Mackenzie is smart. Like, you, everybody knows that everyone is going to do what they want to do. So there's no point. So that's why she led with, I support whatever you do, but, you know. You know where I stand. So Dr. Pierre comes to Austin and Becca. She asks about intimacy. And Austin says oh, we did the exercises and we did the handcuffs, but not in a romantic way. And I'm like, hmm, handcuffs, but not in a romantic way. Okay. And they had a fun night. He says he has gotten better at initiating things and Becca is smiling and nodding. She's like that emoji that's just like gritting their teeth that looks like a smile, but it's not a smile. So Dr. Pia catches that and is like, is he right? And Becca's like, yeah, <laughs> in the in the highest in the highest pitched voice, and Dr. Pierre was like, um, that was not believable by any stretch of the imagination, and Becca says, well, I mean, the thing is, like, I felt like it all halted um during the trip, and then. Austin went on and on about the cats, the nasal passages, the allergies all over again. And then Becca was like, yeah, I didn't really mean like sexual things, but it's the little things. And Dr. Pia is asking Austin, like, how do you feel about PDA in front of family members? And he says they're affectionate with each other, but I'm not like going to make out in front of a bunch of people. Becca says that's not what she's asking for, that he was focused on other things which she gets, but she wishes there was flirting because she initiates, but she doesn't want to push things. And that the says, like, you mean, like, just add a layer of vulnerability and communicate and that they should just spend time to think about what they need to stay in the positive Becca says she wants to move on sexually. And right now she's just wondering, are they still moving forward? And he's like, yeah, I don't think we will have any issues. And I was just left with this conversation. Like, was anything resolved? No, I'm surprised that they kind of got
2: away with it. I felt like Dr. Pia chose not to push them anymore when she could have.
3: But I get that a lot with Dr. Pia, where I feel like after her sessions, I never feel like anything is resolved because her parting words were spend time and think of the positive. I don't know what that means.
2: I also, in Dr. Pia's defense, because I actually think this is the case, she has pushed them as far as she can push them. It's really up to them. If they don't want to do the thing she already told them to do twice before, I don't think showing up for the third or fourth or however many time to be like, do what I told you to do last time is going to work very well. They have to figure this out on their own.
3: I'm going to try and make this make sense because it makes sense in my brain. I think last week I said something like, Austin is definitely problematic in the fact that we don't know what the deal is. Again, it's not necessarily a case of, I don't think you should have sex if you're not ready. Nobody should be forced to have sex. But according to what Becca is saying, like, there's no flirting, there's no initiating, so she doesn't even know if she's desired. I think you can make someone feel desired without having sex with them. But the thing is that he's not an asshole about it like Brennan. So it's not like so black or white. I think the other thing with Becca is going back and forth by saying like, it's not the sexual things. It's the little things. I wanted you to do this. In a little way, I do think Becca is insecure because it goes back again to that conversation of you think I'm going to hell? You don't like me. I don't want to be with you. And then there was another thing that happened where she was crying. I can't remember what it was. And I feel like Beck. I, and I don't know if it's a chicken of an egg thing. I don't know if Austin is making her insecure or if this like past relationship trauma that makes her a little insecure. So then she has a hard time figuring out what exactly is a particular issue. And then it just keeps moving like it's this, is this, is this, and you're not really sure what the issue is. Did anything I say make sense?
2: I'm, I'm still sorting. Through it. Do you think that Becca's insecure, but she's not saying it or?
3: Um, I don't know if she, I don't think it's a thing. Like maybe she knows or anything. It's a case of like, you know how when women are mad and they're mad about something, but they're mad about a thing, but it's not necessarily that thing. It's something else. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know if they know that's what it is. So I think that there's a lot of things going through her that she's confused about what I don't know is, is it just because she doesn't feel desired by Austin? Or is there like a whole bunch of things going on? Because I couldn't quite figure out if it's not about sex. Because they're in what, his grandma's house? Like, I think at some point it's kind of valid. Like, if we go on a trip and it's what, three days? And it's the grandma's house and, you know, he's on, he doesn't want to do anything there. That sounds valid to me not saying that can't happen, but this man already doesn't want to do anything in your own house and he's religious and you add so many layers. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised that he doesn't want anything to happen in his grandma's house. So making it a thing of you didn't do this, you didn't do that or whatever, I, I didn't quite get it, but okay. But then she shifted and said it wasn't about the sexual stuff, but I thought that's what it was. She said everything stalled. At the grandma house, but then when they said, oh, all this thing was happening, then she says, no, it was the little things. So I'm just a little confused as to if it's really one thing. And she's just not really saying fully, like almost like Emily, where Emily is on eggshells and not really saying. So we don't really know what to address because she's not
0: saying it.
2: Well, in After Party, he says something about how they argued. And then he didn't tell us what they argued about, but it didn't appear to be this issue. So I feel like that might be the unsaid thing going on on the actual show.
3: Okay. So we're just not getting the full story.
2: Of what happened on that trip, because, yes.
3: I think even in general. I think there's just more to Becca and Austin that we're not getting because it's not adding up. How can they like each other so much and just have this huge block? And we also haven't seen them fight.
2: That is true. But is that because Becca doesn't really. They both don't engage in things that will make them
3: fight? That's the other. That's what I'm saying. Like, I just. It just almost feels like she's hiding stuff.
2: I don't think it's that.
3: Well, not hiding, but she's also not speaking her truth, which is why I hate that I'm comparing them to Emily and Brennan. It's just that Emily and Brennan are. Not as sweet, I guess. I don't know how to put it. So but they're nice and we're rooting for them, but it's kind of like the same situation because Austin isn't saying what the real deal is because I feel like he knows why. So we're left speculating. And then she's also not saying the real thing that's pissing her off. I know she wants to have sex and he's not, but we're hearing more from Emily in after party than she's ever said.
2: That is true. But- we are hearing more in after party.
3: Like the rejection thing this week was the first time she said it in a confessional and it just seemed so left field that I don't think it was pertaining to their trip because she are talking about the trip and then all in the grandma's place. And she's like, Oh, I just don't want to keep doing more because I didn't want to be rejected. And I'm like, okay.
2: Well, in so- the previous episode of after party that happened, there was talking about something that happened before this trip. Emily decided to say that he, Austin shoved, shoved her off of him and said that she was, get off of me or something like that. And I assume that may be another thing that's not helping.
3: Yep, and that would be something I would share with the experts if you really felt that way because that is hurtful. Whether it's a joke or whether it's not or whatever. So I guess that's what I mean by... I think that's what I'm trying to say in all my rambling. Sorry, guys. It's just like, we're not getting the full truths from these two. So it's making it a little hard to comprehend. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) So... Chloe and Michael, she has a setup, dinner, food, and all the stuff. He comes in, and I'll let you guys know, like, he kisses her when he comes in. And she says that they have to go home tomorrow. And I was like, whoa, that was quick. The camera makes sure to show us Chloe, peeking nervously at her fingers under the table. She tells Michael that she has been single for a long time. And she's like, she's about to have a full-blown husband in a new place. And holy smokes, it's been a lot for her to process. She says they don't have any point of reference with each other. And they've had conversations that she didn't even have in relationships that she's been in. So she's emotionally overwhelmed. And I'm like, is that a compliment? or Is that a bad thing or a good thing? Like. (laughs) Um, I think it's a compliment. (laughs) So she says that she's processing emotions that she's never felt and it all hit her that reality has hit that they are husband and wife and they're moving in and it's terrifying. And I'm sitting here wondering what she wants him to do with all that information. And then she's like, I'm saying like, I don't know if I can do this. And you guys, this might be the first time in Map's history that a preview was not a fake out. She really meant that she didn't know if she could do this. But she didn't say she wasn't going to do it. No. But she, like, what she was saying wasn't a fake. Like, no, but I think, I mean, I'm going to go further, but I think her decision was dependent on Michael's response. I think Michael's response saved the day. Okay. Because she was freaking out. There were tears. There was nervousness. And she's like, I don't know if I can do this. So he says that she's human and he's starting to get a feel for her. And what he's trying to figure out is when he, she should, he should ask or give her space to sort it out. She says you shouldn't have to because it's not fair to have you read my mind. And today she did what she has always done, which is internalize it and try not to burden people. And once she feels that deeply, she shuts down and makes people uncomfortable, but she knew she had to talk about it. He says he knows that right now being supportive is the best role to be in and he wants to be in a place where she's comfortable to lean on his shoulder. At this point, she's tearing up. He says he may never get there to know what she needs, but she knows what she needs and she deserves to feel comfortable in prioritizing herself. He tells her that she needs to act in her own interest and trust that he trusts her. She says she believes Michael in everything that he said she has just never heard those words before. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why you match people at this age. Except for heiress. But yes.
2: <laughs> I, I feel on one hand, like very reductive saying the only reason that they're behaving in such great ways is because of their age. When maybe we should just, I'm going to try to give them credit for just being really great people independent of their age.
3: Okay that's fair. So Chloe says that she's in this place where she has a supportive partner and she knows that he means it. And she's doing this uh, interview, but then I don't know if it's a cut and paste. We just see him take her hand and lead her away. And Chloe says that she will work on feeling like it's okay to put herself first. Then we see him hug her. And she says that they will give it 100% and see where they land. And that was how the episode ended so sweetly. And then we get the preview for next week at the couple's retreat. And we see a lot of blood. And. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, no, I was going to say, I didn't need to see all that. I'm very squeamish. Me too. It is a lot. I think my only question is, I'm curious to know why they made the decision to not have Chloe and Michael join the couple's.
2: I, I They need to stay away from all those people.
3: <laughs> if
2: they would like to maintain any type of positive energy, I don't think being around the other couples is a good move. And they're not in that same stage. It's going to be interesting, though. I'm like, do they get their own like private retreat? Um, it's going to be real fun, the timelines on this show, because we're going to watch it all together. But I assume at some point it didn't all happen together.
3: Yeah. Yeah. All right, Aid. who has your bouquet?
2: My bouquet, of course, goes to Michael and Chloe for being really, really cute. And moving forward with with their problems and him being honest about, you know, unlike Cam, about the status of his parental knowledge of what he's currently doing. Um, Yeah,
3: I mean, who else am I going to give it to? What about you? I mean, who else am I going to give it to? It has to be (laughs) Chloe and Michael. No, honestly, that conversation at the end was really great. And honestly, just showing maturity at different places, like you said, not necessarily because of their age, but because they're just great people, I guess, from what they're showing us. Um, Michael for telling her that she needs to prioritize herself and Chloe just trusting him when he says that he... She, he, she should trust him for not telling the mom and not making it a big deal because it really could have become like something else. That It was just really admirable. Who has your burnt ashes?
2: Um, <laughs> I'm just going to give it to Brennan because he deserves it. And I, don't, I mean, you can get an award many, many, many times. Brennan deserves it alone for, are you sure you want to talk about this? That was vaguely threatening and very unnecessary and certainly on brand for this idiot. So... Mm-hmm. That's why he gets them. Who gets your burn ashes?
3: I'm going to shake it up a little. and I'm going to give it to Austin and Becca simply for just not being transparent with us. It just really feels like they're hiding like something, not in a sinister way. Like I, we're just not getting the full story. And that's why. And also, I don't have a lot of choices.
2: <laughs> My imagination's going wild. I'm like, what if they had sex once early in the beginning? And then they started lying about it, but they haven't had sex since. And so the real issue is that they had sex one time and they haven't had sex again.
3: Ooh. I mean, I really hope that all will be revealed at the reunion, but I just want to keep my expectations low.
2: You should. You should. (laughs) You know, talking of expectations, though... As far as this whole episode, and maybe it's where we are in the season, but someone posted that this was the worst season of Mavs, and I was like, "What are you talking about? This is actually pretty good." Then I watched this week, and I was like, "Maybe they have a point." Um
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, this was pretty. It was pretty boring. Like I am at the stage of Mavs where I'm like, wrap it up. Especially since we don't have couples, so every other episode is Chloe and my. Every other scene is Chloe and Michael. Or we see Austin and Becca, and also Austin and Becca have beat this intimacy thing to death. I feel like I can say lines with them at this at this time, and then Emily and Brendan are so miserable; it's it's torture. So it's just you know, wrap it up.
2: Um. So this was episode fifteen. According to previous counts, we probably have at least seven episodes to go. Uh, just to let you guys know. <laughs> um you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Altercall Maths. That's A L T A R C A L L M A F S. We love hearing from you guys on social media and we might talk about what you say.
3: Yeah, if you have any questions, send them on over. We might read them out on the show. We're available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe until we figure out our schedule so you don't miss any new episodes. Give us a five-star rating if you're so inclined. It helps us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget the next episode will be on time, so look out for the episode on Friday. Till next week, bye, guys. And just before we go, we have a very special
2: listener. Her name starts with an L. We just want to send her all of our well wishes and hope that she gets better soon. Bye, guys. Bye.